Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Deuteronomy with me, please. Deuteronomy chapter 1. In the role that would ultimately earn him an Academy Award in the movie Castaway, Tom Hanks plays a guy who was a FedEx uh, executive who gets stranded on an island in the Pacific and has to come to grips with nature and himself, and then he comes back after being rescued into a world that has changed, or at least his world had changed drastically. In the closing scene of that particular movie, we find Tom Hanks's character parked at a crossroads in the panhandle of Texas, as I'm sure is possible in other places, but especially in the panhandle of Texas, he's parked at an intersection, and you could see in all directions for miles and miles and miles. And it was in that moment, as that film came to an end, we were touched with the, the opportunity or the obligation at a crossroads like that to make some kind of a decision about where his life would go from there, because the life that he had known it had been totally upended. For us, we may not be an executive of a company, and we may not be stranded on some Pacific island, but we all face crossroads from time to time in our life, and when we come to those crossroads, we have to make a decision, and every decision that we make has consequences attached to it. One of the things that we need, it's critical in fact, when we find ourselves at those crossroads is before we make any kind of decision, we have to know where we are. Enter into that scenario, Deuteronomy chapter 1, because in Deuteronomy chapter 1, we find Moses making sure that the children of Israel know where they are. Deuteronomy is an interesting book, and uh, today I'm going to take everything I have and I'm going to condense it down into about half of the time that I normally take, because lunch is coming. We're having lunch over in the Family Life Center when this service is over. I'm going to go ahead and tell you now so that our musicians can sing us out the way they do and dismiss us. So I'm just going to give you the announcement right now. Uh, when you get over there for lunch, we're having gumbo. So you get your drink and then sit down at a table and then gumbo will be brought to you. All right. So now we got the food part out of it. Let's focus in. The book of Deuteronomy, we find Moses as he has the children of Israel gathered in a strategic spot. They are at a crossroads of history because they now are going to finish off 40 years worth of wandering in the wilderness and go across, or they're on the verge of going across into the promised land, the land that God had said to them, I am giving you this. For centuries, they have been waiting for that moment. Moses very strategically takes the opportunity to give them a series of addresses. We might call them sermons, but then nobody would want to read them. And so we find Moses as he lays out for them in this short order. We don't know exactly what the time frame was, but in Deuteronomy, we find Moses' address to those people. And in those, he tells them where they are. It's a crossroads to be sure. On the other side of the river lies the fulfillment of God's promise. It lies battles, to be sure. They needed to know where they were. Deuteronomy chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, we read these words. These are the words that Moses spoke to all Israel beyond the Jordan, in the wilderness, in the Arava, opposite Suf, between Paran and Tophel, Laban, Hazaroth, and Disahab. Aren't you glad I'm reading and you're not? 
Now, let me just stop for a second, and I'll, this other verse kind of comes into this. What he does first is he helps them know where they are geographically. You can go back to the, bio, the maps in the back of your Bible, and you'll look probably in vain for most of those places that I just read about. But they would have known clearly. These are place markers. He is tying them geographically to this spot. Verse 2 uh, carries that another step. It is 11 days' journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea. Geographically, he has said, here's where you are. Now he goes historically to tell them where they are. Verse 3, in the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses spoke to the people of Israel according to all that the Lord had given him in commandment to them. After he had defeated Sion, the king of the Amorites, who lived in Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, who lived in Ashtaroth and Edrai. Beyond the Jordan in the land of Moab, Moses undertook to explain this law saying, now before I get there, go back to those two verses I just read. Historically now, he says, here's where you are. It's been 40 years, save one month. These are words that were pregnant with significance for these people. And he ties them in to a specific time in history and to a specific location. And now he comes and ties them into a specific history with God. Verse 6, the Lord our God said to us in Horeb, you have stayed long enough at this mountain. Turn and take your journey and go to the hill country of the Amorites and to all their neighbors in the Arava, in the high country and in the low land and in the Negev and by the seacoast, the land of the Canaanites and Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. See, I have set the land before you. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord God swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to them and to their offspring after them. A historic point of reference. An historic crossroads at which the children of Israel find themselves. Teresa and I have been and stood in almost the exact spot where these words were given. When we had the chance to go to Israel a number of years ago now, the tail end of our trip took us down out of the famous part of Israel, you know, Jerusalem and the Sea of Galilee and all of those sites that we saw. But we went down at the tail end of this to uh, the, the town of Alat. It's now a tourist destination, a resort, if you will. It's unique because Alat comes at the tip of part of the Red Sea. And on one side is Saudi Arabia. And next to that, all of this, by the way, borders right on this little resort city. There's Saudi Arabia, and then there's Jordan, and then there's Israel, and then there's Egypt. And it all comes to one spot. It is some of the hottest country in the world or at least in the part of the world that I've been to. It was so hot that when we were leaving there, finally, after a couple of days down there, as we went to get onto the airplane, the soles of our shoes began melting to the tarmac. It's hot. And I say that because these children of Israel had gone around that way as they made their way up on the eastern side of the Jordan River and they're about to go into the promised land. They find themselves down in this part of what is modern day Jordan. We had gone there so that we could go up through Jordan over to Petra and the remains of Petra there and you can Google that and see some great pictures. It's about an hour and a half drive for us for, through some of the driest, ruggedest that's not a good word. You seniors, is that a good word, ruggedest? 
Whatever, I'll use whatever one. Okay, so <laughs> we drove through that. And as we were driving through that, I kept thinking the children of Israel walked through this. Probably several million at that particular point in time. And they've been on the march for 40 years. It's at that time. And it's at that point. It's at that crossroads that Moses says, we need a little spiritual GPS here. Where are we? Moses uses the opportunity to give them some situational awareness. Let me talk to you graduates for a little bit. Because we can look in Deuteronomy here. And by the way, as we go through the book of Deuteronomy over the next five or six weeks, um, we're going to see what happens with Moses and these people as he tries to orient them into their future. So to you graduates, I wish you were all sitting right here so that I could just zero in on you for a minute. Um, Maybe I'll let Jordan represent all of you. No, I won't do that to you. I want to talk to you graduates for just a moment. Well, first of all, I should say congratulations. Some of you, I always like to ask some of you, are they letting you out or are they inviting you not to come back? Sometimes they just give you a piece of paper and say, please don't come back. I I, I think that it's probably a good idea for us all to stop for a moment and let's think through some of the activities that we engage in. Why the big deal about graduation, really? Now, Aaron pointed to some of this, and I'm gonna just going to come in and underscore some of what Aaron said earlier, uh, but I don't want to start with high school graduation. I want to start with kindergarten graduation. Really? Why, why do we have kindergarten graduation? Now, I know that some of, some of you mamas especially, we have kindergarten graduation because I need pictures or whatever the reason. I remember the first kindergarten graduation I went to, I was, I was sitting out there thinking, and my son was in it, what am I doing here? This kid hadn't even started his education journey hardly, and we're sitting here making a big deal like he did something. Come through. Why do we have this? Now, I don't really want to pick on kindergarten graduation, although I've already started doing that. You can come continue that at home. Um, Why do we do graduations at all? Because the reality is, now you graduates hear me very carefully, all right? We are proud of you, the accomplishments that you've had and all that kind of stuff. And I would encourage you to live it up, soak in the moment because a month from now, we're all going to be saying, get a job. (laughs) Why do we do this? Now, Aaron was spot on, I think, when he pointed out for us that one of the reasons that we do high school graduation is because it marks, it's one of the very few things we have in American society that marks the transition for somebody from being a child to being an adult. Has nothing to do with age. In our society, this has nothing to do with age, really. It's about that transition that says, we expect you to be involved in school until you reach this level. And after that level, you get to choose whether you go do more schooling or not. But whether you do that or not, we expect you to become productive in our society. Or at least theoretically. 
So it marks, for a high school graduate, it marks that transition out of a period of your life into another. It's a crossroads for you. And we do the same thing with colleges. We have graduation ceremonies for for college graduates. And one of the reasons that we do that, that also is a crossroad. It's a transition. And it's from going from your normal, formal education process to being professional. Now, professional what is always up to you, but professional something, at least theoretically, we have these graduation ceremonies so that we can say, okay, you've reached a crossroads. The question is, which way will you go? Go back to that movie that I was talking about, and there at that crossroads in the panhandle of Texas sets this guy, and he sees a road ahead of him and a road either direction. He has a road behind him, and he has to choose, where will I go? You graduates today, you find yourself something, uh, in something of a situation like that. What's next for you? Here's what I want you to hear from all of this. In addition to what Aaron's already said, and he said it well, so I won't even repeat that, but um, the choice is really yours. What you choose will carry consequences. Some consequences are really good. Some consequences, not so much. There's always a consequence. With every choice that you make, there's always a consequence. So at this particular crossroads, Moses would say, know where you are. And we could get the geographical, that's pretty easy. You're right here in Lumberton, America. The historical, that's a little harder to talk about. But you as a graduate, you pull all the stuff of your background with you. And when you walk across the stage in a week or so, whenever that happens for you, and they give you a diploma, in college it's fake, just so you know. Uh, They eventually get the other one to you when you pay off all your bills. But in high school, they give you that diploma and you walk across the stage. Then you have this opportunity to say, okay, all of that behind me has led to this piece of paper. But as you go forward in your life, that piece of paper, as important as it is, is not the end-all, be-all. you got to make choices. And so we would encourage you to trace the hand of God in your life as you look backwards. We're going to come to that here very shortly. But that's part of what Moses does for them here, and it's what we encourage you to do. Look backwards and see the hand of God in your life. Churches are in the same situation, just so you know. I'm going to pull off the graduates for a minute, put it on us as a church, and then I'm going to be done here in just probably five minutes or so. One of the things that happens is, is for churches is that we find ourselves at crossroads all the time. It's true in your individual life. You're at a crossroads every day. You make choices every day that have consequences attached to them. For us as a church, we find ourselves today at a crossroads, just like we will next Sunday and the next Sunday and the committee meetings night and your own individual life. All of that stuff comes together. We make decisions. And when we do that, we need to know how to make the right kind of decision. And so let's see what Moses does here to help us. Okay, so here's the first thing. When you're at the point of saying, how will I go from here? Which direction will I go? What will I do? I've already mentioned, I'm going to 
fill it up just a little bit now. It's the backwards glance. Look what he does in those first several verses, especially three and four. In the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses spoke to the people of Israel according to all that God had given him in commandment to them after he had defeated Sion, the king of the Amorites, who lived in Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, who lived in Ashtaroth, and in Adri. What Moses does there is he says to them, we're gathered here. We're ready to go across. I'll come to that in a minute. But before that, he says, don't forget what's happened. Go back in what you know of the children of Israel wandering in the wilderness. Go back even before that to the promises that God had given to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all of those who through the centuries God had said, this is my plan for you. And he has systematically brought these people. You go back to Israel, I mean, excuse me, to Egypt as God miraculously delivered that group of people out of there. But you know, that group of people, save two, counting Moses, I guess three, that group of people is gone. I'll come to that in just a second, but the reality is you can see as God took them out of Egypt as a bunch of slave people who had been slaves for centuries, dependent on the Egyptians for everything. And he marched them through the water of the Red Sea as he split it open for them. He marched them across the wilderness and we see as we look backwards as God systematically fed them, watered them, took care of them for 40 years in a harsh environment. When you come to make the choice about which direction you will go, don't fail to look backwards and trace the hand of God. For you graduates... As a church, we have tried to lay out for you enough biblical grounding and enough experiences with people who call on Jesus Christ and whose lives have been changed by him. We've tried to give you enough to give you a history with God. Don't forget to look backwards. But here's part of the problem. When you look backwards, you see successes, and he mentioned those, those two kings that were mentioned there. You, you can look backwards and you can see the successes, but you also can look backwards and you can see the failures. I'm not going to take the time to read it, but if you were to go read uh, verses 19 through 33, you find Moses recounting for them of the spy episode where they come up and they're ready to go across the river and God has promised them that he's going to give it to them. And they say, whoa, 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 not so fast, not so fast. We should send spies. So they send spies across, and the spies come back, and here, I'm going to put it in road trammel translation for the day for you. The spies say, it doesn't matter what God said, there's giants over there. The most glaring failure of those children of Israel was their unwillingness to trust God. The problem with looking backwards is you can look backwards and see your successes or you can look backwards and see your failures and then you decide to define yourself based on either one of those. This world is full of people who look backwards in their life and all they see are their failures in life and it paralyzes them at the crossroads. I just, Brother Mark, if you just knew how bad I've been you would understand why just God can't use me. Let me tell you something. I don't know how bad you've been. I don't need to know how bad you've been. I know how bad I've been. 
And I know God says, I forgive you. Don't be defined by your failures. But you know what? As many as many of those people populate our churches, there's also the equal number of people who are defined by their successes. And they look backwards and say, whoo, man, God is lucky to have me on his team. Your past does not define you, but it does develop you. And what God has done in your past prepares you for the future. So don't look backwards and be paralyzed and don't look backwards and be prideful. Look backward and say, blessed be the name of the Lord who brought me to this place. So Moses gives them the backwards look. That helps them know where they are. But there's also that element that we understand there's got to be the backwards look has to be coupled with a forward glance. And with this, we read verse 8. Do not miss this. This is Moses as he's saying to them, remember what God has said for you. See, uh, this is verse 8. See, I have set the land before you. Go in and Take possession of the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to them and to the offspring after them. He is saying to them here, God is busy in history. He's been about this process of bringing you to this crossroads today so that you can make a decision that is in line with what his plan is for your life. To you graduates, to us as a church, don't miss the future glance. Don't get paralyzed by the past. Keep looking forward and hear the voice of God as he says, this is my plan for you. I jump over and read verse 21, and this is in the middle of that whole spy narrative as uh, Moses is taking them backwards. Verse 21, see, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up, take possession as the Lord, the God of your fathers has told you. Do not fear or be dismayed. God says, I'm on the move. And if you're my child, you're coming with me. Or at least you have the opportunity to go with him. So that future look. Well, let me just throw these two things on. Let's have our musicians come on up because we're about finished here. But don't miss these two observations. God will never move you into a future where he is either indifferent inactive or impotent. I'm going to say that again because some of you stuck on one word. Get the whole thing. God will never move you into a future where he is inactive. He's always busy. He's always at work. He'll never move you into a future where he is indifferent, inactive, or impotent. He's busy. And if you're his child... You're part of that business. So when you find yourself at a crossroads, like that character that Tom Hanks played in the movie Castaway, recognize that you have to make a choice. You can't just sit there for the rest of your life. How do you make the right decision? How do you get it right? Here's a good thing for you to know about God. He doesn't like playing 20 questions. You know the old game you used to play in the car, I spy something. I hated those games. 
God will never play I spy with you, trying to get you to guess what he wants for you. He loves you. His plan is perfect for your life. So listen for him. If you're going to pause at the crossroads at all, pause to hear his voice. Because when you hear his voice and you do what he says, I'll guarantee you, life is good with God. Let's pray. And as we pray, let me ask you, where's God in your life today? doesn't matter if you're a graduate that we're recognizing here or someone who can't even remember your graduation ceremony. God is at work and he has a plan for your life and he says, choose me, choose life. Have you chosen Jesus as your savior in life? Have you chosen to walk the way that God has laid out for you in your life? If not, why not? Why would you not choose life when it's offered to you? Now's a good time to do that. If you don't know what that means or what that looks like, this is the invitation time. It's a good time. We can talk about that, pray with you about that. A lot of people here would love to do that with you. We won't force you into anything, not putting any pressure on you. We're just offering life because that's what Jesus has done for us. At your crossroads, what's your choice? Father, teach us and grow us and change us so that we may move onward in Jesus' name. Amen.